listen to those songs that we just sang. Like the theme of that last one was no turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Do you guys ever have moments in your life, your real life, where there are just ebbs and flows, there are ups and downs, there are moments. And I know if we're all being honest in this room, we're all in this together. There's moments in this thing where you are, like you're really, you and Jesus are connected. You're gung-ho. Like I think you could throw anything at me and me and Jesus, we're going at this thing. And if we're being honest, are there ever any moments in your life where something gets thrown at you and you think the entire world is falling in on you. You ever have those moments? You ever have those seasons, those weeks, maybe months where something hits you and you're like, hey, Jesus and I, we have this. I believe what God's word says. I know that he is going to empower me through his Holy Spirit. Let's go. But then there are these things that come at us and they may not even be that big. They may not be that monstrosity that we put in our mind that is going to just crush in. And for some reason, these little things that come our way and they just rock our planet. You ever, you're there? Could you just raise a hand if that's you ever? So we're not in this alone. Let me just say this. I'm not in this alone. Galatians 5, 6 is where we're going to start and end this morning. Galatians 5, 6. And you can read this whole, the whole chapter so you can get the entire context of this. And I'm just taking out one verse that the Apostle Paul wrote here in the Word. And in Galatians 5, 6, Paul's having to address the people of Galatia. And he is having to say, hey guys, listen, this is not it, this is not it, this is not it. You guys are trying to do all of these things. And it's not about this or that. And Paul says in the last part of the sixth verse, he says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And I just want that to sit there for a second. The only thing that counts is faith in God. The word expressing there is Paul is using the word there that is saying, express the life of Jesus. The only thing that counts is faith in God. Your expression is not your personal expression. It is not your personality coming forth. It is not your thoughts or your desires or your dreams. Paul is saying the only thing that counts is faith in God, the creator, expressing itself through the life and love of Jesus, expressing itself through love. Paul says that's the only thing that counts. And so we're going to land the plane back there here this morning. I want to start off by just reading a little passage, a little script, not a scripture, but just a little devotional. I, I say often I read from Oswald Chambers. And it was on January 1st this year, 2019. I always date it and I write little notes so I can remember what's like where I am, where, where, what's life presenting. And I 
open up, because, you know, we all start off the year hot and heavy, right? January 1st, this year, and I read Oswald Chambers, maybe some of you read it as well, and I get to the very end of the devotional for this morning on January 1st, and the very last paragraph, this is what Oswald Chambers' wife actually wrote, because she's the one who wrote all these things together. He actually didn't write this. He had a lot of sermons and she stumbled upon them and she compiled them into what we know as my utmost for his highest today. And so his wife actually put this together and this is what she said, taking it from one of his sermons. It says that he, God, produces a providential crisis where we have to decide. Let me just say this about a providential crisis. A providential crisis is one that you and I have to start if we're not already doing it, starting to recognize that things going on in our life are not just by chance. But I truly believe, and we were praying this this morning, and Pastor Brent quoted a scripture, and I think it's out of Proverbs, uh, where it says that you and I, we have this grand plan but it is God who is actually ordaining our steps. And so maybe our minds today can be influenced by God to where everything that we are looking at today is an opportunity to see God in it. And so Oswald says here, he says he produces, God produces a providential crisis Now, that doesn't mean that everything has to be an extreme, a 10, that goes on to catch our attention. I am reading this devotional on January 1st of this year, and I am being as honest as I can be. I am at this point. He produces a providential crisis where we have to decide, and I hear a loud bang coming from my driveway. And I am, and again, I'm not saying, I am very street smart. Like one and one, I can know that that equals two. I knew what was going on in my driveway as I read, he produces a providential crisis where we have to decide because my 17-year-old son had just gotten the keys to his mother's car and my car was parked behind the mother's car. You can't make this stuff up. But that is a providential crisis. Because it is a point in our life where we, I, let me just say, I get to decide. I wish Braxton was here because I would tell him to sing it again. I can't sing, but I'll quote it. I have decided to follow Jesus even when your son does $2,000 worth of damage to both of your cars. I still hadn't fixed either one of them. I don't care. Judge me. They're both paid for. I don't have $2,000 to sit there. I look like when my wife and I are driving behind each other, she's in her Sequoia. I'm in my grandmother's Avalon that I paid cash for because I don't want a car payment. We look like we just left Bowman Gray Stadium. (laughs) 
and we lost. I have decided, you know. That was something the Lord had set right there before me. Scott, how are you going to respond to this? Is your attitude going to be like Scott? Or is your attitude going to be like Christ? 15 seconds passed because that's how long it takes to get out of the car, go look at the damage, and then come to the front door. And Grady opened the front door and he said, I need to show you something. And I said, nope, you don't. I know what happened. And that's all I said. Because God says in his word that we are to be slow to speak (laughs) and slow to become angry. And so, honestly, that was an opportunity. See, it can be something like that. We walk in a daily basis where everything that is going on around us is an opportunity to choose. Am I going to express the Christ-like life no matter what? I feel like or I desire, am I going to express it? See, because there are going to be times when it's not just your son backing into the car. See, again, he says that God produces a providential crisis where we have to decide. You see, I could go to the extreme Because you could be sitting there and the doctor says, you know what? No, it really is cancer. It's a providential crisis. And the song goes again, I have decided to follow Jesus. Even when the news doesn't turn out the way we want it. See, life will continue to do this. How do you and I stay steadfast, focused on Jesus to where you and I get to a place where we can honestly say there's no turning back? I don't care what's in front of me. There's no turning back. So that's the question I want to just present to us this morning. And again, I don't stand here giving many answers. But as the word tells us this morning, that there are many opportunities, I think, on a daily basis for our steadfastness, focusing on Jesus. Every day there are those opportunities. Oswald Chambers calls them providential crisis. I say there are many opportunities every day of our life, no matter how small or big, for us to solidify our focus on Jesus. And so I ask the question today, how do you and I especially those of us in this room that are Christ followers, that love Jesus and want to exemplify his life here on this earth. How do you and I, Christ followers, how do we live a life where we are not being, the gospel in Matthew calls it, being tossed about by the waves? 
In James, I think he uses the similar situation or similar illustration. How do you and I, no matter what is in front of us or ahead of us, how do you and I keep steadfastly focused on Jesus? Because God the Father sent his son Jesus. He sent us the Holy Spirit because he does not long for his children to be tossed back and forth. Good one moment and then crushed and defeated and devastated the next. And so we're going to look through a few passages this morning and you can write these scripture references down just in case we don't get to all of them this morning. To finish off this quote, he says, God produces a providential crisis where we have to decide. Did you catch that? You and I have to decide. For or against. And from that point, the great divide begins. He goes on and he says, if the crisis has come to you on any line, surrender your will to God absolutely. And then this next word, irrevocably, irrevocably. It's not, hey, God, here's my life in this moment because everything seems to be lining up. And then when everything somewhat falls apart or there is chaos or there is something that doesn't fit in our mind or our way, we irrevocably say, okay, God, well, I got to take that and I'm going to have to do this and fix it on my own. No, I've decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. So if we had to give this title this morning, that's it. There's no going back. I long for that. And I know there are many of us in this room and many of us in this community, many of us in this world who long for that. And so God help us. How do we get there? See, here's the thing. I can just tell you some of my experiences and stories, encounters, and what God has said to me through his word. I can help And it may shed some light and even give a glimmer of hope. But there is nothing like you encountering and experiencing the power of God in your own life and circumstances. To where you go through one of these providential crises and you look back after you have walked through it and you say, wow, God is good. There is nothing more powerful and hope filled than you personally walking with God through whatever he is bringing your way. And again, it doesn't have to be cancer, death. It could be someone just not agreeing with you. It could be a flat tire. It could be a gamut of things. But I do believe something that I know for a fact is that every one of us sitting in here breathing the air that God created, there are opportunities in your life, maybe some of you are facing them right now, where you get to choose for, 
hey, God, I'm going with you. I'm surrendering my will, my desires to you. Here they are. I don't want it back. Oswald Chambers says irrevocably. I believe there are some of us in this very room today that that's where we are. We're going through it. We're facing it. And God says, you know what, son, daughter, I love you so much. Choose. Or we can do like I've done and maybe some of you have done so many times in the past as we like, no, I need this to be my way. But I believe every single one of us and maybe some right this very moment, that where God has brought us, we are at, he calls it the great divide. Maybe I like to say it this way. We're at a crossroad. Where I am in my life, where God has brought me, what I am up against, what I am facing, we're at a crossroad. Do I go with you, God? Or am I just going to go with myself? Going all the way back to Genesis with the man named Abraham. Turn with me there to Genesis um, chapter 22. And we're going to go through this quick, so I'm not going to be able to give all of these time because you're, you're going to spend some time this week and you're going to read through probably Genesis 22 and Abraham's story. And just the highlight of this story is that you know that he couldn't have children. He was getting old. God gave him a promise. God gave him a promise and it wasn't being fulfilled. We know that he acted on his own and, and he had a child, but it wasn't God's promise. It wasn't God's plan. And so the, the, there, there's these learning opportunities, these crossroads, these great divides, but the nature of God shows up and Abraham is trusting in the father. And, and I want you to look because when Abraham and Sarah have a child, We know this is the story of Isaac. I believe this is a great divide in Abraham's life. There's a choosing, a providential choosing, a God-focused choosing that Abraham has to make. I believe there are many of us in this room, I can tell by the way you're looking at me right now, that there are many of us in this room that we have providential choosings, and maybe some of them are on our doorstep right now. Abraham had a providential choosing. He had a crossroad. He had a great divide because God did give him his son. But God then goes and says, hey, Abraham, I need you to go sacrifice your son. Go kill him for me. I know that if this is a new story to you, that doesn't make any sense. But you've got to go read this for yourself. And I want you to look at how Abraham chose Genesis 22 fifth verse he said to the servants this is Abraham talking he said you guys stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there to where God had told him to sacrifice his son you go over there and listen to this next sentence he says we My son and I will worship God and then we 
will come back to you. You see, he chose, hey God, my will, my desire, my way. God, whatever you say, here you go. And it was irrevocable for Abraham. And if you want to read the rest of the story, it goes on through there. Genesis 22 and 23. It's a phenomenal story. But to just go ahead and tell you how the story ends is God provides a way out. Abraham turned his will over. He didn't take it back. He actually got to the point where the knife was in the air, getting ready to be plunged into his only son with Sarah. And God says, no, no, no. There's another example um, from Genesis that we can look at that, that may help us this morning. And it comes from early on in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm not going to spend much time here, but these, these two people came to a crossroad. They came to a providential spot in their life where God was allowing them to choose. For me, my will surrendered, or I'm going to just go at this thing on my own. And it's the story of Adam and Eve. And I just go real quickly to the sixth verse because listen to this. It says, when the woman Eve saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And because she didn't want to sin alone, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. It It's a providential crossroad. God had already told her, hey, listen, Adam and Eve, don't you do it. Don't do it this way. This is not the way that I am wanting you to go. How does that apply to our life? I believe that there are many of us that go through our life, this journey, and I believe there are moments where we know that God is saying, hey, Scott, this is not it. This is not it. If you're like me, sometimes you've just gotten too far gone and you just have to keep going. Knowing in the back of your mind and in your, in your spirit, you just know that that's not it. Can I just tell you something? If anyone is there right now and you've actually got the apple in your hand and you know that that is not the way God has designed this thing for you, can I tell you just go ahead and put the apple down? I know you picked it from the tree. I know you took a step or two, but just put it down. If you've taken a couple of steps in your way, and you know that it is contrary to the way of the Lord, I truly believe that continuing in the way that you are choosing is going to lead us to a place where we just don't care. And if we're sitting in here today in the presence of God, declaring in our spirit, knowing that the Holy Spirit is declaring, no, we're not turning back. Can I tell you, if you've taken a couple of steps down your way, the apple is in hand, put it down. What do I do, Scott? I'm about three steps down my own path. Here's what you can do. Hey, God, I am so sorry. Hey, God, I am sorry. I have gone my way. I have decided to follow me. Hey, God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. 
Now, God, what was that you wanted me to do again? That's the grace and mercy and love of the Father that created you. Parents in the room, have you ever had a child come to you who messed up? If you don't have older children, it really doesn't have the impact that when they get older. Any parents with teenagers in here? You ever had your teenage son or daughter mess up and they come to you and actually say they're sorry and you know when they mean it? I want to tell you something. There's no loving father or parent or mother on this planet that doesn't automatically accept their apology and love them even more. So how much more is God creator going to sit there and love and cherish on you when you lay the apple down and say, God, I am sorry. What is it that you want me to do? If that's anybody in this place today. So they came to their providential crisis and they chose to go their way. There's three Hebrew boys. If you're just writing this down, it's in the book of Daniel. I love this. This is powerful. It's in the book of Daniel. And I know that it may take some people a long time to find it. It does me too. But the book of Daniel, it's uh, closer to the New Testament. And the book of Daniel is the third chapter. These guys are getting ready to be killed because they're saying, I'm not turning back. In Daniel chapter 3, again, you write this down. You can read this entire story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're getting ready to be murdered because they're not going to choose their way. And all they have to do is go the way of the king, save their own life, save their own neck. I mean, to be honest with you, it makes sense. but it's not the way of God the Father and his kingdom. You see, these guys chose, and it says in the 17th verse right here, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. Yes, he is. But they go on and they say, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Verse 18 says, but even if he does not... We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. No matter what happens to me next. What a statement. Like, I long for that to be the cry of my heart. So no matter what, no matter when, no matter who, no matter... No matter if God rescues me, if he prospers me, if he heals me, if he answers my cry the way I want him to, no matter what. I fix my eyes on Jesus. And me continuing to go forward in Jesus' name does not get determined by what God does or does not do for me. Does that make sense? Because these boys here, they said, hey, no matter what, he may kill me. The fire may kill me. 
But even if he doesn't, we're not turning back. And this is a very difficult concept for us to grasp here in America because we have everything right here at our fingertips. If you want it today, you can go get it. You can just take out a line of credit. You can go to the bank. You can, do, you can go get it. Now, you may not be able to afford it, but you can at least get it. See, it is only God and his son Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit living in us that is going to get us to this place. It's not this church. It's not a bunch of good messages and good songs. It's not even someone inspiring you. This is you personally, you choosing. This is up to you. We're not all even going to ever be in agreement on everything. We're not all going to just be together and be all at the same spot at the same time. No, I'm going to be down for a season and you're going to be up. But here's what can be consistent and remain the same is that a group of people, because it's happened before, right here, a group of people choosing to fix their eyes on Jesus. I want to fix mine on him. There's no going back, even when it's not going my way. And you get to choose the same. You. This is personal. There's going on, and I, I can go to Judas. And you know Judas, he's the one who betrayed Jesus. I believe that God allowed this providential crisis to happen in Judas's life. And you can read it. If you want to read it from Luke chapter 22, you can look at this later. But I guarantee you there was this battle that was raging in Judas's mind. Oh, which way do I go? Do I take the money? Because I need the money. I don't know what they're going to do to Jesus, but I need the money. And I know that there was that night before he made that decision to go present himself to the high officials. I guarantee you there was the divine, the providential debate. Do I, don't I? Do I, don't I? Do I betray Jesus? Do I gratify my flesh? I guarantee you that was going on the night he was trying to sleep before he went. And I believe there are some of us in this room and that's the same thing. We're at a place in our life where we're like, oh, do I? Tossing back and forth. Let me tell you today, what God is saying to this room is I believe that we are sitting in his presence this morning His presence is in this very room today and he is saying to all of us, hey, I want you to fix your eyes on my son Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And even though it doesn't turn out the way you want, your time frame, I am going to help you and empower you to fix your eyes on Jesus. That's what the loving father is saying to you right now. I'm going to just for time's sake, because we're going to pray over 
uh, many today. I don't know. In John chapter 6, listen to this. It's a long chapter. It's a very heavy chapter. And this may be, again, if I, I could just, we could just talk about this forever. But I think this is a characteristic of God the Son. God the Son. His name's Jesus. That we don't often focus on and teach about and talk about in church and in other settings about Jesus. But Jesus had his eyes so fixed on his Father that he did not sway one way or the other. Even when everyone around him was leaving. In John 6, this is what he says. I'm around, let's see, verse 60. Jesus had just got through talking and teaching some pretty deep stuff. It's pretty offensive to many. He said, on hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Just for context, it's basically where he was saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Okay? And the people, the crowd, some of his disciples said, this is hard. Who's going to accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet they are, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Verse 66 says, some from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. But his eyes were so fixed on his father that I don't think he even blinked. I don't think that he even questioned the father. His eyes were so focused on his father's way. The words that Jesus spoke were life and truth, and he continued to speak those very words. Jesus wasn't concerned about how many people were going to follow him. Jesus was concerned about doing the will and the way of the Father, and that's it. And so for those of us who may have the apple, for those of us who may be being washed back and forth, Today, I believe that God is speaking his life and his truth to us, that you and I get to say, you know what? I am fixing my life on Jesus. And the only thing that matters is that I do what the Father asked me to do. And so that applies to all areas of our life. If the sun backs into your car and causes damage and it costs you money that you do not have, I do not get angry. I have to trust in God that my car will run all beat up. And if it has to get repaired, there is going to be the financial means given to me from some way that I don't know. But I have to trust in the Father. And for your area of life, whatever that is, God, I don't see it right now. But I am fixing everything I have on your son, Jesus. 
Here's what I want my response to be. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67 says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And so tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and we're going to get to practice this. Because something that I've learned in especially the last probably several five years is that my flesh seeks comfort in my way. Now, I'm probably the only one in here that that's my flavor of flesh. My flesh seeks comfort in my way. And what I've discovered over about the last several years is that the Jesus pursuit, the journey, the Christ-like life, whatever you want to call it, is truly anything but. And I'm not trying to be a downer here. No, I'm giving you hope because what is happening is my flesh never gets gratified because in the Christ pursuit, I have had very few seasons where there is peace and everything going my way and I'm absolutely comfortable. It doesn't work that way. But what God is doing is he is in the renewing of my mind and along the pursuit of him in this journey, he is showing me, hey, when your flesh is not getting gratified, my father is doing a great work. When it's not going your way, my father is doing a great work. And so how do you and I practice this tomorrow? You and I get to go and practice it no matter what comes our way, no matter who comes our way, no matter what is presented in front of us. We get to fix our eyes, not on what is in front of us, but you and I get to fix our eyes on Jesus. And whether it's the doctor's report or the mistake a child made, you and I get to respond in faith that our Father is doing a great work. I told you we're going to land back at Galatians chapter 5. I want you to turn there again because I want you to see this. I'd love for you to highlight it, underline it, do something, memorize it. See, if we all had time this morning to take this microphone and be honest, there'd be many of you that sound just like me. Your flesh desires comfort, ease, and your way. If we're being honest, maybe I'm the only one. Maybe I'm the only one. But you want comfort, and you want ease, and you want it your way. I mean, that's what my flesh cries out for. But in the pursuit of Christ-likeness, the Jesus life, and in this journey pursuing him, God has said, Scott, that is your flesh. 
my spirit that I put inside of you does not long for the same things your flesh long for. See, the Holy Spirit tells me that the only thing that counts is faith in God the Father expressing itself the way Jesus expressed the love of his Father. And he has promised us that he will empower us to live it out in love through God the Holy Spirit. Faith in the Father, the expressions of Jesus Christ under the influence of the Holy Spirit, And the Apostle Paul said that is the only thing that counts.